You guys doing good? Yeah, you look good. Uh, it's a, it's really a pleasure to be here. I'm excited to be here. If you don't know who I am, I'm Eric Harvey. Uh, I'll just give you a little bit of rundown of, of who I am and what I've been doing. Some of you have, uh, how many of you have seen me on Facebook or my website? A couple of you. Um, I, uh, I've been pastoring for 23 years at Resonate Church as a family pastor, children's pastor, associate pastor. Um, basically, all the stuff that nobody wanted to do, that was like what I did. And so, uh, which I like doing that kind of stuff. It, it, it fits me. So, um, but in the past year, my life has changed. Um, I now have uh, the ministry that is called the Pastor's Friend uh, mainly uh, missionary ministry. Um, my main mission right now is in Pakistan. Do you guys want to take a minute and see and say hi to my friend in Pakistan with them? All right, let's see if we can. If you saw me going like this with my phone, he was looking at you guys. Uh, his name is Alcus. I'll just see if, he, uh, if he's available. But he's like one of my best friends now, 20-year-old um, young man. Um, and the, the Lord is just put us together. Uh, Alcus and me have been now uh, good friends for a year. So everything that has taken place in Pakistan has taken place in the past year. Some people say, how come you went to Pakistan? And um, my answer to this is, if you're going to go fishing and you got two choices of two lakes, one doesn't have very many fish and one has a lot of fish, which one are you going to go to? And so I just picked up, where are you, man? <laughs> I told, during praise and worship, I'm saying, I'm going to call you. And he's like, okay. It's like, oh, there we go. So that's my friend, Alcus. Uh, we got together a year ago on Mother's Day. It was like our year anniversary. It kind of seemed weird that Alcus and me were having an anniversary on Mother's Day. But, it, but so we've been together for a year. Um, the Lord has just done some amazing things. Um, when I went to uh, Pakistan, I figured I'm going to do a crusade, just kind of see how it goes, and we did that. We actually did seven crusades when I was there, the first, my first visit, which was about eight months ago. I was there almost 30 days, uh, lived uh, with the Muslims in a Muslim neighborhood. Uh, th originally, I thought that Muslims wanted to kill Americans and found out that that's not true. Um, Really, what they wanted to do is have me over for dinner, and so it was. It was pretty exciting to know that not all Muslims want to kill Americans. There's very few, actually. Um, here's what I found, and I found this through uh, traveling around the world. People are people, you know. They really are. People are people, and to to label somebody, you know, they are Muslims. They are, you know, Pakistani. We we think we can put a label on them but really people are just people they people are hungry uh, to know the truth people are hungry for the things of God and what I found is even if they don't know that they're hungry for the things of God when we present God to people we find out all people are hungry for the things of God. They, people are hungry for the truth. Inside of everybody is that hunger. So I'll just kind of give you an idea of what's going on in Pakistan. Um, as of right now, we're working on our fifth school. Uh, I'm doing free schools for the kids in, uh, that basically their parents work in the brickyards. The brickyard workers are the underpaid 
Christians of Pakistan. It's about 95% workers in the brickyards are, are the Christians. Uh, they're heavily persecuted. Uh, if you followed some of, some of my Facebook, you see that uh, the, the Christian girls, it's not even safe for them to be out. Uh, they get raped. They get killed. Uh, we stepped in uh, and uh, worked, with the, um, worked with the police, worked with the Supreme Court, uh, prosecuted um, a Muslim that raped and killed a young girl uh, when, I, when we got back, when I got back last, my last trip. And uh, so me having a voice there in Pakistan, connecting with the churches is making a difference. Because sometimes, you know, we think it's a big place and one person goes over. What can one person do? I don't know. Look what you guys are doing. Every one of you, every one of us, you know, we make a difference. So we're joining the churches together. We're networking them, giving them some strength. We're working on schools. Um, giving the churches some strength, could being connected with an American ministry. You think, I never planned on that. I just followed the Lord in that, and I just see the miracles of what the Lord is doing. Uh, and so my goal is that every Christian church in Pakistan would be united with the pastor's friend. Not that, not that the pastor's friend is this big deal, but when we have unity and we work together, it's amazing uh, what we can do and so praise the Lord so uh, I have lots of testimonies of praying for blind people that now see I uh, prayed for pray I'll just this is one of my favorite stories I'll just tell you so we went into a village uh, prayed for the uh, the witch doctor of the village he'd been a witch doctor for 50 years they've been trying to get him saved for 50 years so the American guy shows up within a half hour he gives his life to God his brother was blind he had like these warts on his eyeballs he's been blind for three years we prayed for him and praise the Lord nothing happened and it was like man that is not disappointing you know you see all this you see all this cool stuff and you, you know, you, you lay hands on somebody, but here's what we do. Do we believe the Word of God, right? Don't we? We, we stand on the Word of God because it's, it's not so much our hands. Our hands are just a sign of our obedience to God's Word, right? That's what it is. It's, and so we lay hands on the sick people, and Scripture says when we lay hands on the sick people, they're healed. It says these signs follow Follow those who believe, which made it a thrill for me. So many of the healings happened when I got home. So I have a video chat on my phone. I'm not going to try and find it, but um, the blind brother, um, I ended up talking to him about a month after I got home, totally healed. You know, that's, I mean, how cool is that? It's like, I was so happy. I'm like, are you kidding me? And, you know, you know, they kind of all look the same, but I knew it was him. It was like, it was like, you know, they say that about us too. You Americans, you all look alike. But, you know, the Pakistanis, they all have these same features. But when I saw him, I'm like, oh, man, the blind guy. Nope. And he's talking to me, and he was with his, he was with his wife in the village. And so, and uh, we're trying to get another picture of, we were done with a crusade, and after, after a crusade in Pakistan, I think 
It was a little bit cooler that night, but it was about 100 degrees, so not too bad. But I was so concerned. And they want you to wear a suit coat. And I'm like, praise the Lord for Revived Church that I can just wear a shirt. But, right? But they, they want you to wear a suit coat because that's the honor and respect thing. So my suit coat was soaking wet like I just got done working out at the gym in a T-shirt. My suit coat looked like that. They said, hurry up. We got to go. So they're pulling me through these uh, these little trails with these building houses that were really close. And they're driving. Where are we going? We got to pray for a guy. Well, why are we running? He's got five minutes to live. I'm like, okay, I guess we better run. Cause <laughs> this is, and so we get, to, we get to him. And, oh, yeah, he, was, he had no response at all. He was, they had a, a blower on him. And they had, um, you know, hoses going into him. And um, so... We prayed for him, and once again, praise the Lord, nothing happened, you know, that we saw. Um, I don't have a picture of him yet, cause he, but he's alive. And uh, about, about a month after we got home, um, I found out that he was sitting up and eating. So that's pretty good for having five minutes to live and uh, up and about, you know. And we prayed, for, we prayed for another old dude. I mean, some of these people in Pakistan, they're over 100 years old, and this, this older man, he was hurting so bad. We prayed for him. When we got home, found out he passed away. You know, sometimes we're not in charge of the results, you know, but somebody that's over 100 years old, it's okay that they get out of pain and go to be with the Lord. You know, God promises us a long life. It's just the thing that, the thing that always bothers me is when young people, you know, if you're, if you're not old, if you're not, if you haven't done the work of the Lord, you know, Scripture calls death an enemy of God. And you know what? And we have a job to do as believers. You know, we do. We, it's, it's up to us. And we say, well, why doesn't God heal? And I said, I don't know. Why don't people pray for the sick? You know? You want to see, how come we don't see miracles? Um, go do them. Go do them. That's our job. Our job. But see, but we think that. You know, you might be sitting there looking at me going, well, you're the missionary. I'm not. You know, you're that. You're that guy. Well, I'm telling you today, I'm not that guy. I'm not that guy. We're that guy. We're that guy. It's like, I'm no different than you. I just got the easy job. You guys got the hard job. You know, I, I worked with my brother two days ago. He's got a tree service. Can I say socks in this tree? That's <laughs> that job sucks. <laughs> He's like, "Do you want to help? You want to help me?" I'm like, "No, no, I don't." Well, he was working for a friend of mine, and apparently, he thought that because they're friends of mine, I'm supposed to work with him. And he doesn't really see these hands. These are preacher hands. <laughs> they're <laughs> they're soft. The only reason I have a few calluses, I do go to the gym. So I have a couple calluses from the gym, but that's where those came from. These are soft hands. So I, I worked with my brother at the tree service. We could, I, I'm telling you, it was six hours of hell. I know, what it, I know what it feels like to be in hell. Go work for a tree service. It's hard. I'm thinking, my br- I never want to, I won't tell this to my brother. He says, my brother's a stud. Man, he's like, 
doing this. I'm like, I'm dragging. I, of course, my job was to haul all the logs up out of the woods, and that's like, that was bad. But So anyways, and when I think about Revive Church, when I got home, I take vitamins too. I do whatever I can to keep myself healthy and that. So when I got home, I took extra vitamins. When I woke up, I did too because I felt, oh, my legs are going to cramp tonight. I know I'm going to get, I didn't. So I took, I took vitamins and, and put that in. And then in the morning, I took extra vitamins. And then I felt great the next day. I was good, you know, but, and I think about, you know, those vitamins and all that that I put in revived me. You know, then I think about, you know, the name of your church, our church, you know, Revive. It's, it's, not, just, it's not just a name. Yeah. It's what God's doing. See, it's, when, when the Lord gave you that name, I guarantee it wasn't just, oh, that sounds cool. That's trendy. That'll work. That'll work for me. I bet, I bet Revive, because it is, it is cool. You got to admit, that's a cool name for a church. You got to admit it. But it wasn't just because it looks good on a website. It's what's inside. See, it's what's inside, man. Sarah, revive was inside of them and still is. And it's inside of you. But today, I'm going to push you a little bit, if that's all right. Mm -hmm. See, we have a responsibility to take that what's inside of us and get it out. See, too many times as believers, we can praise the Lord because he's been good to us. We can praise the Lord because he healed our bodies. We praise the Lord for all of our blessings. You know what? The, the biggest blessings from the Lord are what we have inside of us. It's not our stuff. We don't care about stuff. If you're younger, I know you do still a little bit. You'll, after a while, you won't care, just so you know. You won't care, you know. You know, I bought, I bought a, a 67 Mustang the other day. I'm selling. I don't care. <laughs> it, I, I thought, yeah, I think I want it. No, I don't. I, I'm going to get rid of it. I'm going to make a few bucks, though. <laughs> but see, stuff doesn't matter. The blessings that God has given us are what's on the inside. And that's why I love the name of our church, Revive. Because revival is inside of us. But it can't stay there. It's got to get out. It's got to get out. And here's what I declare. This room, by next year, will be chairs all the way to the back. Because this is revive. In, in the world out there, you know, needs what we have in here. But we have to make the choice that we're going to unload. We're going to dare to do it. See, my kids go, Dad, I don't know why. I don't know why and how you go to Pakistan. We don't want you. My kids don't want me going to Pakistan. I mean, I tell you, a lot of the Muslims love me. It's not the safest place to be. I mean, there is some danger there. But so my kids are protective of me, and they said, Dad, don't go. Don't go. Especially now. It's, it's crazy there right now. My last trip, I was there 36 days, um, and it was a little bit crazy. Don't go. Don't do that. You know, we have a choice. Are we going to make a difference in people's lives? Because what I do in Pakistan, I also do here. Do it here. See, we have to, we have to make sure that our revive or that our ministry, what we're doing, is not an event. It's not an event. Revive is not an event. Sunday morning service is not an event. By the way, this isn't even my message. 
So, but I do have, I do, I do have a message. I do have a, so, but it's not an event. Don't make Sunday morning an event. Don't make your prayer time an event. Don't do that. Make it your lifestyle. Make it what you do. Make it who you are, because that is who you are. You are revived. You have a name. I don't know all your names, but who are you? You're children of God. We're, we're God's kids. And what are we about? Same thing Jesus said. I'm about my Father's business. It's, it's what we need to be. We need to take what God put inside of us, because that's where we store the things of God. They're inside of us. He says he's given us everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness. Where is that? Where is it? We don't have to grab for it. It's inside of us. See, there was a day when you gave your life to God. And when you did that, he put something inside of you that was miraculous. His life. Because inside of you, the life that he originally gave you died because at some point in your childhood, you sinned knowingly. You rebelled against God. And what that life that God put in there, it died. But when you gave him your life by your choice, by the Holy Spirit inviting you, he put something alive in you, his life. He created you. It says, the old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new, and all these things are of God. What's he talking about? That born-again spirit that we have that has a perfect communion with the Holy Spirit. The problem with the church has been we know that we have a, a born-again spirit on the inside, but we don't listen with our unborn-again mind. See, but we need to renew our minds with the Word of God. And as we renew our minds with the Word of God, then our minds can be connected with our spirit and the Holy Spirit. And then we can start doing the things. We'll have the confidence to do what God has for us to do. See, inside of me, there's a confidence that wherever I go, whether I'm in Pakistan or in Nuevo or in Hesperia or in Grand Rapids or wherever I am, I have a confidence that what God put inside of me, I can give it out. And it's called life. It's called life. And that's what we're called to do. We are called to give life. But honestly, the church has been a bit lazy. The church in Pakistan was totally lazy. When I went there eight months ago, the churches in Pakistan had no concept of outreach. They took care of their own. The, the Muslims in their neighborhood were like, not the enemy, but they sure weren't going to be in the group. I remember walking through the streets, and uh, I saw a little boy, and he was crippled. And I said, I'm going to go pray for him. And they said, oh, no, 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 he's a Muslim. I said, I don't care who he is. I'm praying for him. They didn't have that mentality of that. And I went and prayed for him. And we prayed, and then we had this big banner that we had at the Crusades. They ended up putting it on the house. Apparently, that was an invitation to everybody to come. I would wake up in the morning, there'd be people on the couch waiting to see me. I'm like, mm. and I'd say, what do they want? Sometimes people wanted prayer. I'd say, awesome. Sometimes I'd say, what do they want? They just want to see you. You know, in America, when you say somebody wanted to see you, okay, will you interpret? For no, 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 you don't need that. I said, what are you talking about? No, they just want to see you. I said, 
I don't understand what you're talking about. No, they just want to see you. That's it. They don't want to talk to me? No. They just want to stare at me? Yep. It's like, are you, are you kidding me? If I would have known, I, I would have shaped up a little bit. They just want to see you. So there's some people that just want to see you. But Muslims started coming into the house, and we were praying for Muslims. Whole, whole families getting saved. So now, eight months later, I, I was there. I was there 36 days, I guess two months ago. I don't even know what month it is now, so I don't keep track of that stuff. It's May, is it? Oh, my gosh. So, so it's almost June is what you're saying? Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, I don't keep track of that. I don't even generally know what day it is, just to be honest with you. So, uh, but whole families are coming in and getting saved. And now, uh, a year after meeting my friend Elkis, they now have the concept. He called me the other day. He says, hey, here's what we're doing. We're doing this pastor's conference, and we're going to be talking about outreach. I'm like, was I at this meeting? <laughs> when did you guys decide to do this? They're like, yeah. Every message, I, the last time I was there, I preached at 17 churches. Every message was preaching about outreach, about reaching the lost, reaching the hurting, reaching people. And I'm thinking, Lord, look what you've done. In less than a year, you've taken a whole group of pastors. We did pastors' conferences. There was about, I think, I'm trying to remember now. I think about 125, maybe 150 pastors that came to a pastor's conference, and I taught outreach, you know, reaching the lost, reaching out, you know, taking what God has put on the inside of you, not leaving it there. And now in Pakistan, we're putting a, a program together of outreach. And then in October, I'm going to be going back, and we're going to be doing a crusade. We're going to be feeding a bunch of people. And Muslims are going to be coming to that crusade, and they're going to get saved. And I'm probably going to, sooner or later, I'm going to be getting kicked out of Pakistan because they don't really put up with that because it is a Muslim nation. But I'm looking forward to it. How cool is that to get kicked out of a country? So I'm, I'm looking forward to that, but I'm going to make some waves until that happens. So, so praise the Lord. We have a responsibility. So that's kind of what I've, that's kind of what I've been up to and, and doing. So that's my introduction, and I have 15 more minutes. So I do, want to I do want to tell you a story, if that's okay, because a lot of you, I'm, I'm from Grand Rapids. I, I lived in Grand Rapids my whole life. I've only lived in Nuego for uh, a year and a half, a little over a year, actually, right now. And so I grew up in Grand Rapids. But, um, but Hesperia has a big, big part in my heart because in Hesperia, my greatest day of my life happened in Hesperia, and the worst day of my life happened in Hesperia. So um, I was at a home group. Some of you may know whose home group I was at. And, uh, you know, when you're in Grand Rapids and you come to Hesperia, <laughs> I, okay, even, even though... Even though I, I do missions, I do the hard stuff, I, I go through jungles, I do all that, I'm a city guy. I shower twice a day. I do that. I love hiking on blacktop. It's awesome. I love that. Those trails that are blacktop, those were made for me, as long as you don't go too far. I don't, I don't, I don't do the whole lap. I go partway, then turn around and come back the same way so I don't get lost. So I am a city guy, but 
I, I have a, a little bit of country in me because I do like to go fishing. So it was it, the, the home group lasted a little bit long because I can talk a lot, and, and apparently so can uh, your family. <laughs> and so, and so, and one thing, like in Grand Rapids, Hesperia, there's cell phone service. What? It's not, it's, it's, it's not, it's not available. It's not available. And so it, it was late already. And you had caught a brown trout, a big, a big fish, big, huge fish. And it was laying in your yard. I don't know why it was laying in your yard. I think it was you. But we, I looked at that and I thought, that is awesome. And they said to me, do you want to go fishing? And I said, yes. Yes, I do. I do want to go fishing. And they said, it's just down the street. Okay, you can laugh now. Because in, in Grand Rapids, when we say it's just down the street, you can walk there in like two minutes. That's just down the street. That's what just down the street. In Grand Rapids, just down the street is two minutes away. Say, so yes, if it's just down the street, I have time. No problem. So we get in the vehicles, and we drive for about 35 minutes. And we're driving in the opposite direction of my home. And this is going into my mind. I'm thinking, oh, well, I'm going fishing. And, and like in Grand Rapids, when you go fishing, you park in a parking lot and you walk to the lake and you go fishing. Not in Hesperia. Not in Hesperia. No, you park and then you trail. You trail. And then I'm in somebody's front yard. In Grand Rapids, you don't walk around in people's front yards. You don't do that. That's against the law in Grand Rapids. It's not in Hesperia. And I says to John, is this okay? He goes, oh, yeah. I'm like, okay. So then, then this hill is almost straight down, which I'm okay with. But the, the river is there now, White River. And I'm like, what is that noise? Not just a rushing rushing water. There's fish jumping. And I'm like, oh, yeah, now my heart's pounding. So we go down there, and we start fishing for salmon. And it was it still is the most fun I've ever had. I, I had so much fun. They literally were 25-pound fish. And for a city boy, that's unbelievable because we freak out when we catch a bluegill. <laughs> that's what a city guy does. A city guy holds up a bluegill and feels like, look at that, baby. Look at that. Look at that, yeah. These, and so... We, I was just having the time of my life. It was just so incredible. And John was up watching, and he's, he's giving me some help. And finally, he says, yeah, I'm going to get going, but you guys can stay. I'd be like, okay, I'm good. We fished. I think we stayed there until about 1.30 in the morning. Okay, I do have a wife at home and kids. And we don't have cell service. And now I'm kind of thinking, what time is it? I get my phone. I'm like, no way. No way. Are you kidding? How did that happen? How did that happen? It's impossible. So I had a friend with me. I had to bring him home first. And he doesn't live in Grand Rapids. He lives in Nuego. So I said, we got to go. And then we're trying to. And he's, he says, you don't want any of these fish? And I'm like, if I bring fish home, I'm going to be dead. 
I'm not bringing fish home. So we're trying to get these fish. So we drag these big fish up. We get up that hill, get to the car. Now my heart is pounding. Now the best day of my life is beginning to turn in to the worst day of my life because now the sense is coming back. And I, I get Jeremy home, and now I get Jeremy home, and I'm still an hour away from my home, and my day is getting worse. Because now I'm trying to figure out, do I call now that I do have cell service, or do I hope she fell asleep at 11 o'clock and is sleeping? That's what I hoped. <laughs> I had no sense. I didn't know what to do. I had no sense. Well, I'll finish my story quick. I got home to the worst day of my life, to a wife on the front porch saying, the police are on their way because I have no idea where you are and what have you been doing. And I, all I can say is, I told you I had home group. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Yeah. That was a long time ago. I honestly don't remember if I slept on the couch that night. I don't think so. I had an awesome wife. You know, things happen in our lives, don't they? Yes. Things happen, things like that. My wife passed away Christmas Day 2013. And that's where a lot of people go, oh. So, and then some of the single girls go, hmm. <laughs> I'm healed, by the way. Healthy and whole, praise the Lord. But things happen in our lives, even to good people. But you know what good people do? They look at what's on the inside of them. And they realize that even though things happen on the outside, what God has given us on the inside never changes. It's sealed. See, you and I are sealed by the Holy Spirit. We go through tough things. We go through hard things. But we go on. And we allow God to heal us. So in this room, we are the healed. But we always need healing. We live in a crazy world. There's always things. There's hard things. In fact, there was a husband that he was having a hard, hard time going through rough. I mean, just things were bad for him. And at work, things weren't going right. Just with the business itself, with his boss, things weren't going right. Things at home weren't going right between him and his wife. So he said to his wife, he says, I just need to hear from God. I need to hear from God. So the wife looked at him and she says, read the Bible. He goes, you don't understand. You don't understand. He says, I need to hear the voice of God. I need to hear, I need to hear God speak to me in a voice. My life is not what I want. My life is not going in the direction that I want. I need to hear his voice. I need to hear him out loud. So she looks at him and says, read your Bible out loud. Yes. See, it's the Word. It's the Word of God that we stand on and stand in. A lot of times we think, how do we stand on the Word of God? We stand in it. Yes. We let it be in us because it's the Word of God. 
that will change our lives. I'm going to give us, can I go five minutes over? I can go ten minutes over. I'm going to give us a quick message about unity, the importance of unity. You know, I, I feel like in here, in this church, this is a church of unity. But one thing that I understand, unity is not just that we get along. That's not what unity is. That's part of unity, that we get along, but that's not, that's not the sum total of unity. But God blesses unity. He commands his blessing where there's unity. I'm going to, we're going to probably just stick right in uh, the book of James, chapter 5. We're going to go. And you know what's kind of neat sometimes is not just reading the Bible, reading the Word. The Word changes our lives. God wrote it down for us because he knew that we needed it. We needed to be able to see it. We need to be able to touch it. Because we can't see him and touch him, he did the best thing that he could. He, he gave us his word written down. Then he gave us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit and the word work together. And do you understand who James is? James is Jesus' brother. That's pretty crazy right there. Could you imagine having to give your life to your brother? <laughs> That would suck, <laughs> right? Yeah, right? I mean, I just work with my brother, and I can't stand him right now. I'll, I'll, I'll be all right in a couple more days, but right now I'm still mad at him. <laughs> really? That's horrible. What did you do to me? <laughs> and why are you so tough and I'm not? How did that happen? Right? We, but that's James. James had, he had to look at his brother and go, Imagine the pressure. Yeah, my brother. Who's your brother? Oh, just the Lord. <laughs> you know, oh, your brother. Your brother's a dude that died on the cross. Yeah, that's him. How was that living with him? You don't want to know. See, James. Could you imagine how hard it would be to think that your brother's the Lord, that your brother's the Savior? He didn't realize that. I mean, James didn't get saved or didn't start doing anything amazing until after Jesus died. You know, it's the death of Jesus, which is kind of sad. It's sad, right? But it's why he came, because that the, the penalty had to be paid, and he did it with a, a freely. He gave us that as a gift. And so to think of, you know, James now, Serving the Lord, serving God. Can you imagine what he saw? See, he saw Jesus as a kid. Probably couldn't stand him. Couldn't stand him because he was so much different than me. Man, my brother Jesus, so much different than me. Couldn't stand him. But I guarantee you, he saw the things that Jesus did. He learned from Jesus even as a child. And so now as he writes, in James chapter 5, I'm going to start in, in uh, verse 13. It says, are there any believers in your fellowship? I'm, oh, I'm going to read out of um, the Passion Translation. I don't, I don't read out of that often, but it's kind of cool, especially this, these verses that I'm going to read. It's really, it's really a cool how it, how it says. Are there any believers in your fellowship suffering from great hardship and distress? 
There are a lot of people suffering with great hardship and distress right now. I mean, this crazy COVID stuff is, you know, torn the world apart. Praise the Lord, we're not tore apart. But there's people in distress, you know. And remember, who's, who's writing this? James is writing this. And, and what is it? It just floors me to see what he says. I would think, you know, what do we normally do? Oh, if we see somebody in distress, see somebody hurting, oh, let me fix it for you. Let me help you. Let me take care of that for you. I mean, a lot of times that's our heart, right? That's not what James says to do. I, it floors me. It, it kind of blows me away. When you see somebody that's just hurting so bad, what does he say? He says, encourage them to pray. What? What do you mean? Encourage them to pray. Here's why. Here's why. And this is, this is so cool, so important that we get a hold of this and that we understand this. Encourage them to pray. Here's what James saw. James saw Jesus pray. James saw Jesus pray. James saw God move. James saw God do miracles for his brother when he prayed. Took care of everything. One problem after another, after another, after another, after another, after another. What did Jesus do? He prayed. Jesus was constantly going to his father. Constantly going to his father and praying. That's why James is able to say that. Encourage them to pray. See, in America, people pray, but usually pray after they go to the doctor. You know, you go to the doctor. After you take your medicine, after you take... What's the first thing we need? Pray. Why don't we pray? Because the world has beat us up. And a lot of times the world has beaten out of us our belief in the Word of God. And I want to encourage us today to trust in the Word of God because the Word of God is true. Let the Word of God be true and let everything else be a lie. Because it is. If you're sick in your body, I'm not saying you're not sick in your body, but if you're sick in your body, that thing's a lie. What's the lie of it? It doesn't have the right to be there. See, we're covenant people. Covenant people have different rights. Not because we're amazing, although we are. We have rights because of what Jesus did for us. If we can understand how much Jesus gave us, we'll never worry. We'll never be afraid. We can go anywhere, and you're not worried about it. When I travel... If my kids are freaking out, which sometimes they do, for me, it's an adventure. It's like, it's just another adventure. I get to hang out with God and see amazing, crazy stuff. How about if we do that here in Hesperia? Let it be an adventure. Oh, I lost my job. Oh, I must have another one coming that's better. God will take care of me, that's for sure. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Mm Mm-mm. That's so exciting. That scripture right there is so exciting for me because I see my grandkids. Never see them begging bread. Never. Never. Why? I'm righteous. You think that's kind of, are you something else there? No, I'm not righteous because of me. I'm righteous because it was a gift from God. God gave me a gift, gave you a gift of righteousness. 
because of what Jesus did. We have to believe the Word of God. We have to believe it because we're believers. So tell them to pray. Encourage them to pray. Are there happy, cheerful ones among you? Encourage them to sing praises. Don't shut your mouths. Maybe don't talk as much as me, but don't be quiet. But don't be quiet. Tell people, man, God did this for me. He'll do it for you. We have to open our mouths. Encourage them to sing praises. Is there any sick among you? Call for the elders of the church. To come and pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will heal the sick. And the Lord will raise them up. And when, I remember as a young Christian reading James going, I don't really like that book. Because I grew up Catholic. Anybody grew up Catholic? Anybody? Yeah, I grew up just a couple of you. And that, oh, praise the Lord for Catholics. But that bugged me. Because here's what I didn't like. I only went twice in my whole life to, to confession. That just made me crazy. In fact, I had to go to confession because of confession because I'd lie in confession. I couldn't help it. I'm not, I don't really even know the priest behind the mesh. I don't know him. And I don't want to tell him what I did because it's bad. Because <laughs> I was bad. I didn't want to tell him. So I'd say, I would say, yeah, I, I was mean a little bit. And I disobeyed. And I think I maybe said one other thing. I can't remember. It was a long time ago. I'm like, I ain't doing this. And then they played a trick on us. A few years later, we did it again. I don't know if they were remodeling that little room that you sat in and kneeled in. They might have been remodeling it because we had to go in the back room where we used to steal the um, wine. In the, <laughs> yeah, I was, I was so awesome. There's benefits to every religion. And then we had to just sit in a chair facing the priest face to face, and I'm supposed to tell him all the crap I did. I'm like, it ain't happening. I'm not doing it. Mm -mm. So that's why, that's why when I got saved and I started reading James, it's like, what the heck? It's in there. It's in there. Oh, my gosh. I, I thought that was just Catholics, but now, it's, now I'm supposed to tell everybody my sins? And it's not, come back. That's not what it's talking about. But seriously. We have to be humble. And, you know, there, there's healing saying, you know what? I, I messed up. I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't have done that. That was wrong of me to do that instead of being prideful. We have to be able to do that with each other. You know, if I hurt your feelings because I said your microphone was a piece of junk. No, <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> so, so, and I'd say, you know what? That was rude. I shouldn't have done that. Forgive me, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. See, we have to be willing to go to people. We have to be willing to be that. That's what he's talking about. He's not just going, just go to everybody and just tell them all your dirty laundry. No, because God's, our, God's the one that forgives us. But there's a, there's a part in having unity among believers that, you know what, if I did something that hurt you, man, I got to get that straight. I got to get that right. If I messed up, I got I to gotta go to you and fix that because there's healing that comes with that. Because here's what, there's a world that needs you and I to go reach. We have to, we have to get out of our seats and start talking to people. 
We have to. It's our job. It's a ministry that God gave all of us. He said, I've given you the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciling the world to God. We're the voice. And if we don't open our voice, they're not going to get saved. But if we don't have unity among us, the power of God isn't going to work. See, because even our speaking isn't just our words. It's the power of God that comes out of us. See, it's the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage. It's not just our words. It's a combination of us working with God. So I want to encourage all of us to be open. Share. Don't be afraid. Admit it when you're wrong. Some of you, I guarantee in this room, even with your families, there's some disputes. There's some problems. Do your best. Make phone calls today and say, hey, is there any way that we can just put this behind us? If I did something wrong, I'm sorry. Or if they did something wrong against you, forgive them. You don't even have to call them and say, I've had people do this to me. I was like, really? <laughs> a, guy, a guy came up after church one time, and he sat next to me. He goes, you know what? I've been really mad at you. I'm like, really? What the world? He says, yeah. But he said, you know what then he said to me? He says, I forgive you. I'm like, what did I do? I don't even know what I did. See, and then we, he told me what I did. I said, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. And we talked. And he said, okay, we're good. See, sometimes we just need to forgive people. You don't have to tell them I forgive you. Just forgive them. And then move on. Call them and ask them out for lunch or dinner. Invite them over for the party or whatever. Let it go. Get unity in your families. Get unity in the church. Get unity with your friends. Doesn't mean we just get along. Means now that we get along. See, it's hard to do the things of God together if there's that stuff that we're that we're not getting along with. If you think I did this, you did that, we're we're blaming each other. How are we gonna do the things of God? See, unity says. We're on the same page. We have the same goal. We have the same mission. We're about reaching the lost. That's what God's called us to do, to reach the lost. So I want to encourage us today. Um, let's reach the lost of this community. There's 900, you said there's 980 people in Hesperia. Some of them go to church already. God bless them. I'm glad they do. Some of them don't. Let's find the ones that don't and get them here. This would be a great church to come to. Let's get them here. How are they going to get here? We've got to tell them, you know. And a lot of times people say, I don't know how to do that. I'm just going to give you one tip, and then I'm going to be done. When you see somebody that you don't know, just say, hey, how you doing? How are you? How are you? Is there anything I can do to help you? Because I guarantee you, uh, five out of ten people, if you ask them how they're doing, they're going to say, not that great then let's help them. Let's help them. Let's be there for people. Invite them to church. Because everybody needs this. Everybody needs this. The scripture tells us, don't forsake doing this. Because there's power here. There's power here. Amen. All right. God bless you.